The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hello and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, certified financial planner. Joining me today is fellow certified financial planner, Tyler Cook, and we're joined by Jared Locke. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing great, Cole. How are you? I am fantastic. I, I'm not a big fan of the cold, but it's to be expected at this point in the year, so it's hard to be too mad at it. But otherwise, life's peachy. Not a whole lot to complain about. I tell you, there's been a theme here. We've been doing client meetings all week, and 80% of them are down in Florida. They don't live uh, there, but they're down there. Yeah. Still, still doing their meetings with us, which is great, of course. But I remind myself that I'm, I'm doing something wrong staying up here in the cold. <laughs> it, uh, it definitely hurts time, a little so bit. We've got to change that. Open up the MTBW branch in Florida. Yeah, speak it into existence. One day. We'll do it. How about you, Jared? How you doing? I'm doing well. I think I probably enjoy the cold a little bit more than you do, Cole. Mm. Um, but just about fell on the ice uh, walking out of my apartment building today. So definitely one of the downsides to this kind of weather. But I love the snow. <laughs> uh, I think we're so, doing. Jared, help me understand what what is there to enjoy? I mean, other than like maybe skiing, right? If you're a skier, I get snowboarder, I get that, but. Like, what else? I'm glad you asked because I was yeah. thinking it. I think that cold air in the morning it just really wakes you up, mm. gets you, yeah. really hits your skin, and you're Warm just ready to go. Does the same thing. I don't, I don't get that same effect. It just make you sleepy. I like the cloudy, <laughs> cold days. Oh, I worry about you, Jared. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but before we get into the main topic today, I wanted to start off with a question to you guys to really set the theme for our show, and that's. Would you rather prioritize savings or debt reduction? And before you answer, I understand there's a lot of gray area and scenarios, but just view this as a very strict one or the other. So, Tyler, we'll start with you. Debt reduction or saving? Savings. That's a quick answer for me. Uh, there's a lot of confidence in that. How about you, Jared? A little less confidence in this answer, but I think debt reduction think for debt me. Reduction. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it's kind of where your heart is. Yeah, just, I think, knowing where, you know, I'm at with, I look at my debt picture with student loans and such, and sure. although that's not the biggest deal in the world to get that paid down, it's one of those things that they always say debt, or debt is a very scary four-letter word, yeah. and looking at mine scares me sometimes. So. <laughs> uh, honestly, personally, even amounts aside, I'm I think I'm more of a debt guy too. Mm -hmm. There's just something about having that on that side of the ledger where Tyler, I know exactly to your point why savings, and we'll get into that during the show, but uh, there's just something about carrying that around kind of feels like a monkey on the back sort of thing where you just want to get it off as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. But uh, before getting into these topics and uh, the rest of the show, we have a couple current events to cover. So Tyler, we'll start off with one that just came out today, which is actually a positive update. That's the 2021 GDP. What do we know about that? Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice surprise. You know, the uh, the GDP for 2021, so those final numbers came out uh, for the fourth quarter, 
And if you analyze those numbers, you're looking at 6.9% growth. And the economists were expecting 5.5%. So that's, that's a significant decrease when you're talking about these numbers. And I think uh, I always look at the details of the report to see where, uh, you know, why that would happen the way it does. And, and before I get into that, too, remember, these reports can be revised. So keep take it with a grain of salt. Sure. Typically are, just like the jobs reports, things like that can be revised. But 6.9% uh, is really the headline. That was the fourth quarter GDP annualized. And so that's uh, you know, one of the strongest years last year. Uh, consumer activity was the reason. And so I think that's encouraging because we've said it many, many times. The U.S. economy runs on the consumer, right, spending. And so to see that that's what led the growth was really encouraging. We obviously still have a lot of our headwinds with the, the supply chain issues and employment and so forth on certain sectors. And, and really, it's kind of across the board now. But this was a nice little positive pop. And it was, it was I was kind of watching the markets this week, and they, they, they initially liked that reaction. It was up big, I think, in the morning on Thursday. And then, um, you know, towards the day, it kind of fell, fell back down and it kind of came back up. And classic market volatility. And, you know, we'll talk more about that. But uh, I think the key there, though, is just can it be sustained? So you expected Absolutely. some type of a rebound from covid we saw that big V-shaped recovery we've talked about, not only in the markets, but also in GDP. But now is the tough sledding, right? Can we maintain this pace to get back to where we were? Uh, great points. Great points. I think historically, GDP probably run, runs, what, 2 to 4% is pretty standard here? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time since we even had 5% previously. So 6.9, almost 7, yeah. that's historically significant. Yeah, so definitely to your point, we'll see if we can keep this consistent. There's a lot that can come from this year. I know just we're one month in. You brought up very briefly, at least referenced, the idea of the the investments. Uh, so we're off to a rocky start, but it's a just a snapshot in time. So. It is. You got to remember too. Just when people log in and look at their accounts, and and this is everywhere, right? Whatever app you're using to check things. Just because the, I always laugh. Just because the calendar year turns over, like all of a sudden, all the measurements reset. It's, it's, it's Maybe that's important for somebody who's a, a day trader, but if you're truly a long-term investor, it doesn't matter that we went from December to January and now the numbers look different, right? It's about the long term. So zoom out, right? Expand your view. Look at the 5, 10, 20-year numbers. Don't worry about the 5, 10, 20 days because uh, we're going to have these, these volatile times. It's just part of the deal. And if you can't stomach it, well, then investing's probably not for you. So uh, just keep that in mind. Absolutely. In fact, I was looking at quotes maybe to help our listeners feel a little bit better. And there's a popular one from uh, Warren Buffett, and it, it goes, rule number one for investing is never lose money. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. <laughs> so very concise two-point rule. Uh, but the idea is as long as you stay the course, right, it, it, you don't lose money. So the idea behind that really is if you don't sell out when the market's down, money's not gone. Right, it it's, will pop back as the, the market recovers, or should pop back when the market recovers. There's no guarantees, but uh, the idea is longer term, stay the course. Maybe don't log into your account every single day, but uh, just wait it out and see what happens. Put the money in and forget and, about and that, it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly, Jared. That, that goes for the good and the bad times, right? It's it's, and that's, I want to remind people of that too with the world we live in and the headline fear and things, and especially inflation. We'll get into that. But it, it's never as bad as it seems, and it's never as good as it seems, right? Especially with the markets. It's somewhere in between. Sure. And you're going to have this volatility in the day-to-day -day swings and headlines that move things. And now, of course, you got Russia-Ukraine thing back in the picture. And, and you know, it's these, these things, we've dealt with these things. We've talked about these over the, the 10 years on the show now. And, and of course, 
John's been talking about this for, I mean, almost 60 years. So there's always something in the backdrop, and there's always going to be a headline that's going to stoke the fire right on both sides. It tends to be politicized, it seems like, these days. I can't oh, yeah. get, it, get around that, but the truth is somewhere in the middle. And so that's what we're trying to shed light on and continue to do that on the show because inflation is on everybody's mind right now, and there's a lot of fear behind that. Absolutely. So to that point, the, the last current event today is uh, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Chairman, stated Wednesday that the Fed is likely to hike interest rates in March of this year. So a year earlier than originally inspected, they were suggesting 2023. But uh, what does this mean for the economy? What does this mean for inflation, Tyler? Well, you got to look at it with the historical lens of this as well. Same thing like when you're looking at portfolios and whatnot. But if you look back in time, the last time the Fed raised rates, um, it's actually a good thing for the market. And if you look back 20, 30 years, that's still been the case. But you get this immediate kind of knee-jerk reaction that, oh, my gosh, rates are going up. Money's not as cheap as it was. How's that going to impact businesses? But, again, if you have that long-term perspective, we actually need some inflation. And we've been talking about that on the show. You actually need some inflation. But what we can't have is rampant inflation, right, where it goes wild overnight. Absolutely. And so we're raising the Fed, uh, the Fed funds rate. Jerome Powell is trying to use monetary policy, right, to, to kind of match what he's seeing on the other side with inflation. And um, there are some positives in this, and we'll, we'll get into that. Excellent. Anything to add to that, Jared? Uh, no, I think that's all really well said, and I, I welcome hopefully something that lowers the uh, amount of inflation we're going through right now. <laughs> For sure. All right, we're coming up on our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into our main topic of blending debt management with savings. You're listening to Managing Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. In this segment, we'll start identifying some debt instruments to set the stage for blending and savings because there's no one-size-fits-all approach to paying down debt. But before we get into that, we wanted to revisit a couple topics on inflation, what we were talking about in our last segment. Uh, so, Tyler, what did we what did we have in mind? Well, it, it's actually a perfect segue because it's all connected. You know, true, true financial planning is comprehensive. So when you talk about somebody's fears or concerns about inflation, it can easily be connected to debt reduction strategies, how much you should pay down versus how much you save. So you'll, you'll see here very soon how, how it is truly connected in every aspect of your plan. But the, the headlines now, right, like you said, is Jerome Powell, the Fed's going to raise rates mm-hmm. probably in March, maybe three to four rate increases this year. And as I mentioned earlier, historically, rate increases, there's some choppiness in the early stages, but it tends to be a better thing for the economy in the long run. The reason why it's important is think think pre-COVID. I know it's kind of hard to rewire our minds back before this crazy world we're in now, but the Fed was raising rates. Right, We had gotten away from back to 2008 and the crisis then, and the economy had kind of rebounded. It took a very long time. And then from 2016 on to 2020, it was booming. And so the Fed was raising rates. And so the reason why that's important is the Fed only has so many things that they can do to help in a crisis. There's only so many levers they can pull. Right. And one of the biggest levers they can do is manipulate the, the interest rate side of things. So we were actually off the emergency level, which was zero to, or near zero percent pre-COVID. And then COVID hit, of course, they dropped everything back down and probably had to. You know, if you look at that historically, that probably was the right thing. Yeah, that was but my point is you can't stay there forever. 
We can't stay at this level forever. And that's, that's the challenge going forward. So when I say inflation is actually not terrible, rising rates by the Fed is actually not terrible, I'm thinking with a long-term view, not looking at my feet, but looking out at the horizon and saying, all right, for a healthy economy to be the way we need to actually run as a society and as, as consumers and so forth, you have to get off these emergency levels. Yes, money will be more expensive. Yes, if you go buy a house next year, this year, your mortgage rate might be 1% higher. That is a fact. But the point being, if it's 1% rate change in a mortgage, which can be a lot of money over time, but if that's going to change your ability to buy the house, you couldn't afford the house to begin with. So there's a whole other discussion to have with that. But what actually ends up happening is cost of borrowing goes up. However, instead of getting nothing in your checking or savings account with your money market holdings, right, guess what? That rate starts to, to creep up too. Um, John will tell stories about the 80s, right? A good rate on your mortgage in the 80s was like 13 14%. That hurts to hear. Yeah. Well, think about that in historical context, too. You could also buy, like, savings bonds at 7%, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be incredible these days? So <laughs> it's, a, it's a give and a take with all this stuff. But I think, again, we live in a very politicized environment, and each side is cherry-picking what data points they want to use and using it as fear. It's a fear tactic. It's always there. Um, you see it with crypto now and all this other stuff. We won't get into crypto today. That's, oh boy, that's been wild. Thank you. Um, yeah. But point being is the, the interest rates are one aspect to this tied to inflation. But please don't run down the street with your hair on fire. It's not the end of the world. It may hurt in the short term, but this is a good thing for the long run. Very, very well said. Very well said. I, all of that, absolutely right. You just got to pay attention to where you are, where things are going. Because um, realistically, if you're just focused on where things were, you're going to miss some opportunities. So be active, be proactive, maybe better. If we're expecting some changes, maybe you're thinking about doing a refinance, something like that. Now, now could be the time to do it. Take advantage of where things are and don't worry too much about where things will be because if everything's an emergency, like Tyler, going back to your idea of the um, emergency aspect of how the Federal Reserve's been treating things, if everything's an emergency, well, what happens when we see another one? <laughs> right? There's going to be no more levers to pull, so it makes all the sense in the world that these interest rates will start going back up. But getting into the, the debt side of today, uh, one of the most important things when we start thinking of debt is the cash flow worksheet. I'm sure we've said that a million times on this show, the cash flow worksheet. Jared, what does that mean? What does that do? And why is that so important to people, especially when they start thinking about how to tackle their debt? Yeah, I mean, you can never really have too much information when it comes to knowing where your money's going and uh, what money is coming in. So if you're able to track you know, what you get out of a paycheck and then where your expenses are going from there, that shows you, am I coming out on the end of having uh, excess cash flow at mm -hmm. the end of, say, each month, or am I coming out with a negative amount of cash flow? And that's usually when people start to dip into uh, debt to pay off other things, and um, that can be a whole other monster itself. Absolutely. Right. So it's, it's just understanding where you are, who you are, how your month-to-month your -month looks. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, they may know what comes in, but what goes out is the hardest part. For so many people. And that's so much more important, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, one thing just to look at that top line number, how much went out, but actually understanding your spent expenses, the categories associated with it, that's the real part of that cash flow worksheet, just understanding who you are and where your money's going. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, and we've talked about that in conjunction with goal planning, too. And, you know, I know now's a great time to revisit 2021, look at where you ended up. 
2020 was kind of an odd year for everybody, so that was kind of an off number if you look at these historical, you know, annualized numbers with what your previous spending habits were. But 2021 was a, maybe to venture say a little more normal. Who knows what 2022 is going to bring? But uh, the point is awareness. Right? You just got to be aware yeah. of what it is, and that's actually the more important part too. Is I hear the word budget quite a bit from a lot of people I talk to, and I, I got to stick to my budget. Well, budgets don't work. And again, that's another thing that's that John has taught us over all these years, and it's still true, right? Is that the you set a budget? I'm going to spend five grand that month. What do you do? You spend six. Broke right? Peter to pay Paul. Because the water heater broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just tracking it. And nowadays with the technology tools that you know we've mentioned those many many times as well. But Mint.com is a great one. M-I-N-T Mint.com. Mm-hmm. It's free. Uh, part of Intuit's you know QuickBooks and all that stuff. But that's a great one just to have some awareness of where you're at. And again, you don't need to check it daily. But if you have that number, then you can, we can answer better answer. The rest of the questions in the plan, which are to the debt side, Cole, like you're talking about, what what debts should you take on? How much should you save versus paying down those debts? It's very hard to answer that question if we don't know what the true living expense number is. So that cash flow worksheet, living expense worksheet, those are the same thing. When we, when we say those words, that's really the key, though, is seeing where the, where the money is being spent. Right. Right. And part of that ledger there will be debt. Right, so it's not just your I spent X amount on Wendy's this month. Rather, it's going to be how much I spent on the mortgage, how much I spent on the car, credit cards, you name it. So we want to make sure that we separate those different types of debt. Have a good understanding of that. So generally speaking, there are two types. There's good debt, which uh, many people would probably argue that there's no such thing as good debt. All debt's bad, but it's the, the concept of it. We'll get into that. And then there's bad debt, which is exactly what it sounds like. Going back to good debt, I think one of the first ones that come to mind for me, and this is maybe contrary to anything John Sestina may say, so don't tell him I said this, but a mortgage, right? The idea of good debt is purchasing a generally appreciating asset. So obviously we know the housing market can go up, it can go down, but generally speaking long term, it goes up. So mortgage being a, a good debt. So Jared, I know you've been doing this for a little while, but for our listeners here, what do we need to keep in mind with a mortgage? Yeah, um, with a mortgage, you want to keep in, obviously, how long you're going to stay in the home. Um, that'll kind of determine the the length of the mortgage that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it's obviously important to pay attention to interest rates because it might not seem like a 1% difference in interest rates is like a big deal, and you can't really do a lot about it when you are shopping them out. But over time, if you stay in a home for 30 years and pay down a mortgage, it can end up costing you a lot of money. That's that, that part's important. I've seen way too many times, depending on the interest rate, depending on the term, depending on the value of the home, where you're essentially buying the house twice mm-hmm. in terms of the interest paid. So we'll keep talking about good debt before transitioning into bad, but we're coming up on our next break. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back. You're listening to Managing Be Wealthy. This is your host, Cole Kimmick. For those just joining us, I'm here today with certified financial planner Tyler Cook, and Jared Locke is here with us as well. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestine and Company, you can contact us at 614-326-3077 or, or, or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. If you'd like a complimentary consultation with one of our planners, we'll ask that you fill out a brief questionnaire, set up a time to meet with you, and we'll go from there. You can also find and listen to our previous podcasts and see information about our team. Uh, so go on, click around, and hopefully take action. 
So before we closed out our last segment, we were talking about a mortgage, the idea that a mortgage in some instances can be good debt. So Tyler, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I was mumbling under my breath there when you said that. And that hurt a little uh, bit? The, yeah, I think it's, context is important there too. And you said generally speaking, so that is fair. But um, what I see so often is that Oh, the you know the mortgage broker or the bank said that I qualified for a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Let's go buy a seven hundred thousand dollar house, All right? So that's that's the risk or the or the uh, the challenge with this too is just keeping it within reason. Yeah. Most people don't have cash to buy the house that they're in, and you know that's what we talk about is if you don't have the cash to do it, you can't afford it. So we know that's but if you look at general housing trends, debt debt has been very cheap. That's part of what we talked about with interest rates earlier. Uh, and so it, it's enticing for people to take on a bigger liability. And all they're focusing on is the rate and payment. So, Jared, to your point, interest rate, yes, that's a factor, but it's not the most important factor when you're talking about a mortgage because the enemy is not the rate. Enemy is not the rate. The enemy is the balance. If your balance is zero and your rate is 30%, what's your payment? That's a zero. zero. Right? It's not the rate. It's the balance is the problem. So people really need to – Again, mortgage brokers, and I, I work with them. I have people, friends, friends and family, that, and, and I talk to them all the time, and they're they're great people. But they're they're trained for one thing: what's my rate and payment going to be? And that's what the consumer is focused on. And so we've got to rewire people's thinking when you talk about mortgages. If you are going to use a mortgage to buy a property, don't look at just what the rate is. Right? It's the combination of the other of the other factors in there. And I guarantee you this: this is, and I don't say guarantee very lightly. If people knew how compound interest worked. And amortization schedules on a mortgage, right? How the loans are paid. Nobody would buy a house. <laughs> it, it hurts to look at. It, it, it's extremely painful. So now there are some pretty cool strategies that are out there as far as how you can pay things down quicker and kind of become your own bank. That's a whole other discussion. But my point is when we say mortgages are good within reason, right? There's an asterisk there. You got to do it right and don't just accept what they said you pre-qualified for, especially in today's market. That's, my, that's one of my fears is people buy too much house. We have a correction and then we're back in the 2008 scenario for a certain subset of the economy. Not everybody, but a certain subset of the population would be uh, in that foreclosure world. So yeah. just take that with the great grain of salt. A mortgage can be a tool, a great tool if it's used correctly. No, that's, that's such a good point. We were seeing that a lot, I think, through, even leading up to, to, to COVID, a lot of that in 2018, 2019. Um, but just thinking rules of thumb, maybe to, to level yourself a little bit better. Uh, going back to that, generally speaking, that's what a rule of thumb is. Just generally... The affordability for the house should be no more than two and a half times your combined household income. So if you're making $100,000 for the year combined, probably don't go that much over $250,000. So at that point, then you may run into that scenario, Tyler, what you're talking about being house poor. Yeah. Yeah. So what's another good debt, Cole? Now, now you got me fired up. What's another good debt? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad John's not on here because he's really going to shoot me down as soon as I bring it up. You might too, but uh, student loans. Ah. Yeah, I know, I know, but it, I wouldn't be working for you guys if I didn't have a bachelor's degree. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, that's, I think, uh, again, used the right way, right? That's the right. key with a lot of these good debts. It's only a good debt if you're responsible with it, right? Um, so I think... Yeah, student loans. If it's a if it's a, a, a means to an end, right? Getting your degree. Certainly, think about uh, you know doctors, physicians, things like that, dentists, physicians, and so forth. People are specializing 
in a certain field mm-hmm. and requires, you know, grad work type stuff and so forth, that, that would certainly be something you would hope they're going to use that training and knowledge for. But what we see so often is uh, the student loans for people who, who get a major or major in something that they no longer use or didn't even use once they graduated. And that's, that's the concern is uh, there's a lot of different paths for people to get to their career, right? It doesn't mean you have to go to college for four years. Right. Right. And unfortunately, we're seeing that that student rate, uh, the student loans, I mean, that's becoming a, a huge issue anymore. It's a, a huge talking point, a hot button right now. Um, but when you are going that route, don't go that route expecting those to be paid off. Right. We need to make sure that we're doing something and thinking forward for what's this going to do for us? Ultimately, what can we make back relative to what we're putting in? That's what makes it a good debt versus a bad debt. You got it. And one thing you definitely have to look at with that as well is there's a lot of different, you know, everyone knows this, but the cost of the school that you end up going to as well. I mean, you can still go to college and you just don't have to go to somewhere that costs $50,000 a year as well. I mean, whether it's a state school or even if you're not sure about college, a community college where you take out loans, at least save some money on that end. And and don't, don't just go to the biggest and best school because it'll look cool or something of that, of that like. Or because it's going to look good when you're uh, um, sort of like a status symbol. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I know uh, going to college my first two years, I went to OSU Newark campus mm-hmm. because it is, God, uh, a fourth of the price maybe, a fifth of the price of main campus. I I, uh, I also yep. went to one of Kent State's branch campuses, and I think it was about $3,000 per semester or something like that, just a bit cheaper than <laughs> Ohio State. A little different than twenty six grand or so. Yeah. So. Good. Uh, so before we, we close out good debt, and there's there's more out there, but again, before closing out the idea of good debt, within the context of it, mortgage, student loans, would you guys want to pay those off as quickly as possible, prioritize savings as much as possible, maybe make your regular payments or here and there make more? What's a, what's a good strategy to blend in that savings idea? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great uh, question and oftentimes a predicament for many to find that balance. Uh, but it goes back to your first question, right? Does, does debt bother you? Is it something that keeps you up at night? Uh, that's why I love what we do, Cole, because we, we get to customize the plan accordingly. If there's no, you know, one way you have to do it. And in fact, a lot of people have choices and that's what makes it a little difficult. They try and narrow it down. Where do, where do I divvy up this positive cash flow that I have to perhaps pay down a mortgage sooner or pay off a student loan quicker? Uh, so it really depends upon the psychology of money, which, again, I, I love trying to analyze how people think about money because it's often where, you know, we craft that mindset by the time we're a teenager. And it kind of sticks with you. Oh, yeah. Um, but the idea there would be looking at just if you look at the numbers part, right, it's very simple to look at balance and rate and figure out, okay, which one's going to cost you more in interest. So that, that's one way to look at it. But the other way is, is the type of, of debt. And so with this in the, within this good category – mortgage and student loans, uh, I often hear the the um, saying or the phrase, you know, I don't want to pay off my mortgage too soon because I'll lose my tax deduction <laughs> for, for the interest, yeah. right? And I'm thinking, well, hold on. Wouldn't you rather not pay the interest versus get a tax deduction? So, again, it's about context, I think, is how you yeah. have to analyze that. And there is a balance there, too, but I tend to lead towards saving. And I think you know, if you look at the last 12 years in the vacuum, obviously, if you had saved more versus paying down debt more, your money worked a lot more for you in the last 12 years. But that's, again, no guarantee. Who knows where that would shake out? Because it's, 
that's just a, again I'm cherry picking dates there, but it comes back to your how your mental makeup is about money. Yeah, and, and that's so important. Uh, behavioral finance plays a, uh, plays a big piece within debt within savings, and we'll touch on a little bit more of that hopefully during our next segment, um, where we'll we'll pick up bad debt, some different different ideas there, maybe some that you've heard of, maybe some you haven't, but. And we're coming up on our final break. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, and we're into our final segment here. Uh, So right before we went to close, we brought up the idea of bad debt. So good debt being generally appreciating uh, assets, the purpose for that debt. Bad debt, not so much. Uh, So essentially not tied to an appreciable asset, generally higher interest rates, oftentimes not favorable. Uh, So Tyler, what's what's one of the first ones that come to mind for you? Yeah, it's, it's, I think the obvious one for a lot of people is credit cards. That's the probably worst debt if yeah. you're not paying it off, right? If you're not paying that off every month, because look, what are the rates on that? Are you talking about interest rates? Those are 17, 20% outrageous. Yeah, 17 is usually so, a minimum. Yeah, right. And I don't think it's going any lower. That's what we talked about earlier with the Fed raising rates and inflation and so forth. So mm-hmm. um, if you're not paying off your credit card every month, it, it means you're spending too much. Now, why you're spending Absolutely. too much is a whole other discussion. I mean, there was a point in my life 20 years ago where I couldn't, I could barely afford health insurance, and I had to charge health insurance on a credit card. Yeah, I had to do that for a few months until I could, and I wasn't able to pay off the full thing. I was just getting started in my career, you know, you know, eat what you kill mentality, and and I was you know, starting at nothing. So it, 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 I worked through that, but the key there is the discipline. So it, it was a crutch for me, but I didn't let that continue as soon as I had the ability. To, to stop that bleeding, if you if you will. So yep. um, credit cards can be useful, again, if you use right, if you pay it off, get your reward points, love that. But it's very slippery slope. Again, just because the bank says, hey, Jared, here's 15000 limit on a credit card, good good luck, have fun, doesn't mean you should go spend fifteen grand. But that sounds like a novel concept, but many don't understand that. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of people get trapped in that make your minimum payments mentality. So we'll keep it around, we'll make the minimum payments. But I, I've seen more than my fair share of, of credit card statements just doing what we do. And, God, it, it takes 30-plus years to pay off balances if you're just making the minimum payments. You're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So definitely something to be aware of. Going back to the idea with the uh, the good debt, where we'd probably prioritize savings to a certain degree unless you're very debt-averse. Uh, with bad debt, credit card debt, 20-plus percent. Tyler, would we plan to prioritize savings, or in this case, let's get that debt paid down as quickly as possible, or would we blend those a little bit? Yeah, you know, I actually did an interview with, I think it was Lending Tree two years ago about that concept, and it was kind of that idea, if you had an emergency expense come up, how do you pay for it? Um, well, the point being is, if you prioritize savings to begin with, you would have had a cash reserve there to yep, weather right. that storm. Like, think about COVID, too, for a lot of people that didn't have the cash reserve and came through, all of a sudden you're out of work. Um those issues were real. That I mean, that came real for a lot of people. And so if you didn't have the reserve, which we know most Americans do not have enough on hand that we've talked about, um, you then compound your issue by then charging up the debt. So that's why I say prioritizing savings, if you can start with kind of a blank slate, right, and don't have a bunch of debt already, and then 
focus on debt reduction strategies for student loans, things like that, and so forth. So I think having that backstop as your cash reserve is critical. And then from there, you can look at, okay, where do I parcel out my debt reduction strategies? But if it's a credit card versus a car loan versus a mortgage, uh, mortgage, I mean, you're going to have to make that payment. Credit card, you're a little more flexible on how much. But if you just let that minimum payment, like you said, be the payment that you're actually making, it's you're not helping yourself at all. So you've got to just, again, awareness. I think that's the the real message today is you've got to be aware of where your money's going. Everybody knows where it's coming in from, right? You know what your job money is, how it's coming in, but you got to be aware on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah, because it'll very quickly become an albatross if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to take care of that debt as, as efficiently as you can. But I think it goes back to the idea, Tyler, what you're referencing. Pay yourself first. Get yourself set up early before you run into that situation. So that way something happens, you have that backstop that is the, the cash reserve to hopefully bail you out of those issues, do exactly what it's there for versus leaning on that credit card too much. So, Jared, on to the, the, the next bad debt. Well, what comes to mind? Uh, another bad debt that uh, you know I could think of is um, either car loans, but then, as we talked about in the break, margin loans as well. Um, Ooh, what's a margin loan? Yeah, a margin loan is when you have money in your investment account and you are borrowing against that money, getting new money, uh, that you are then using to invest more. And obviously that sounds great. Oh, you can put more into the market. But the thing that you have to remember with that is, although you can amplify ampl- amplify your gains, you can also very much amplify your losses. And if it goes towards the loss end, you could get in a little bit of trouble there. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So thinking 2007, 2008, markets down God, considerably. Mm-hmm. What what happens in that scenario? What's the the brokerage house do? Yeah. So well, if I, you... I saw it. I saw it firsthand. It was not pretty. Uh, tell me about <laughs> uh, it. I mean, it's called a margin call, right? So it's basically, hey, pay me. And what what people end up having to do there is then sell the investment, and they were back in 2008 at a loss. Mm-hmm. And so you were, I mean, like you said, just compounding your problems. So not only did you have a loan to pay back, but then you're selling investments when they're down. Uh, if you didn't have the investments in the account because those were depleted, then you had to bring cash to the table um, from somewhere else. So, it, again, it just compounds the problem. So, yeah, margin loans are a tricky one. But car loans, yeah. I think most people are familiar with, the, obviously, what's going on right now with the shortage in cars and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, recently, you know, even since 2008, 2009, car loans, you could get some pretty favorable terms, you know, like 0% interest, for example. For six years, yeah. right? I found a new vehicle. What's what's good or bad about that? Is that a bad debt or is that a good one? Well, if it, if it's zero percent, that's the best debt out there. You're you're operating as the bank. Take all six years to pay that bad boy off. <laughs> you do have a little more control over it for sure, <laughs> right? Um, still goes back to that concept. If you didn't have enough cash to pay for it, right? Sure. Can you really afford yep. it? So that's still at play. Uh, but that that's the thing too. With even with car loans. You know, you see all these big SUVs on the road and so forth, and, and you wonder, you know, how many of those are financed for eight years now or however long Oof. you can go. Yep. Um, but, it, again, it's the same idea as the house, right? If you actually saw how much interest you're going to pay over that time frame, mm-hmm. that you might reconsider uh, thinking that it, it, that new car is worth it. So, um, you know, I, you could also say car loans necessary because you got to have a vehicle to go someplace, but do you need the Mercedes or can you get away with the Ford? You know, that type of thing. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, depending on what your goals are, there, there's always that point A to point B. And then there's nothing wrong with that. You get what you can afford. That's the most important piece. So uh, closing out the, the the bad debt 
concept, I want to get into uh, the idea of a debt snowball versus a debt avalanche. So two really popular ways to generally approach debt. So I'll start with snowball. Jared, I'll let you pick up the avalanche idea, but snowball's the easy one. That's essentially where you pay off the smaller balance debts first and then snowball the payments into the next smallest loan to expedite future payoffs. So essentially you build that snowball, right, via smaller, smaller payments uh, into those larger and larger loans so that it's easier to tackle those. But the idea here is you need to make sure that you're staying diligent, which is probably one of the most hated words in the English language, diligent, disciplined. Um, but you want to make sure that you're putting that cash flow forward into that next loan versus turning around and spending that. So Jared, what do you think about a debt, av debt avalanche? Yeah, debt avalanche is a little bit different. Um, let's say you have a couple different types of loans, uh, mm -hmm. all with differing interest rates. Uh, this is pretty much saying you make the minimum payments to all your loans like that you have to, and then you take whatever's extra left over um, and put that towards the debt that has the highest interest rate. And the goal of this is then to pay the least amount of interest over time. Perfect. So Tyler, if we're tying those two things together, efficient debt payment, this probably goes back to the behavioral fi behavioral finance aspect of it, but you think one works better than another or one that we should really think about or lean more into? I'm afraid, Cole, that's the classic, it depends. It's all about <laughs> that person and their scenario, so that's a tough one. That's, you're absolutely right. So it depends on, on comfort, um, but unfortunately we'd keep talking about it, but we're on our final break here. Well, we're closing, sorry. Uh, we'll continue this conversation when we get into uh, get into next week. You're listening to Managing Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTBN.